The reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Liz, for reading, and good morning, everyone. Uh, My name's Andy Ruffhead. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Let's pray as we come to just dive into this passage from the Bible. Heavenly Father, Father God, in the beginning, you spoke your word. You spoke the universe into being, and throughout history, you've spoken, you've given us these words in the Bible to tell us about yourself and about what you're doing. 
Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to enliven these words to us afresh this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you might be wondering um, why we're in Luke chapter 1, because at St. Paul's we've been making our way through Luke's gospel. We actually started about a year ago, um, and we're in about chapter 19. So we, for this Sunday, we're skipping back um, to look again at this, this passage, Zechariah's song. And if you've got uh, one, of our, one of those um, the kind of uh, the Luke's Gospel handbooks, notebooks. Yes, yeah, some of you have got it. You probably have some notes. If you were here last year, you have some notes because Eleanor preached on this passage as well. So, um, so now you get to add something perhaps um, to that as we revisit. And we're really going to be looking at the song that Zechariah sings after those nine months where he's unable to speak. He just bursts out into this amazing prophetic worship song. Um, just a quick recap of the story. Um, okay, because the, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth actually starts right at the beginning of Luke's gospel. Right, chapter 1, verse 1. Um, there's a, an old couple called Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a, um, is a priest and, and this is a, a kind of faithful couple. Um, a real sadness in their life is that they've never been able to have children. Um, Zechariah is visited by the angel uh, Gabriel while he's on duty in the temple, and he's told he's going to have a son. Um, Zechariah, just, he, he's full of doubt, and he questions God. He questions the angel. How will I know? How, how can this be? It's not possible. Uh, you know, my wife and I were so old. And um, that's, that's not a great response. <laughs> so he's actually, he's told by the angel, mm, well, it's going to happen, but you're actually now not going to be able to speak and be made mute for, for the whole pregnancy, the nine months of the pregnancy. Um, and, and this time for Zechariah, time of silence. Um, but when kind of he names his son, when his, his son comes to be born and comes to be circumcised, suddenly, like, his tongue is released, and immediately he just comes up with this amazing song of praise. Uh, so we're going to just dig into a little bit um, of that this morning. Sometimes it's called the Benedictus. Um, if, you, if you pray at morning prayer, um, there's, an, there's an order for morning prayer the Church of England has, then you will, you will pray the Benedictus every morning. <laughs> Um, so when I was uh, training at Ridley Hall Theological College, we got to know this bit of the Bible very well because we said it every single morning together in chapel um, to start the day. What we're really going to look at this morning is salvation. You might have noticed the word salvation crops up a few times. Three times it comes up um, in this song. The Greek word for salvation is solteria. Shall we say that all together? Soteria. Yes. Soteria means salvation um, in the Greek. Um, salvation, it's quite a kind of Christian jargon word, isn't it? it there's, two, there's two other words kind of that come from the same root. One um, is um, it's the same root as the word salve, uh, which is to do with healing. You know, if you put some, if you're... Um, 
oh, they've got a rash or something, you put like an ointment, you put a salve on it. So salvation kind of means healing. But it also means to save, okay, to, to rescue. Um, that's what we also get the same word saviour, soter, uh, comes from um, this same word in Greek. And salvation is really characteristic of Luke's gospel and Luke's writings. It comes up time and time again, uh, both in Luke's gospel and the book of Acts as well, which, which Luke wrote. Interestingly, uh, in Matthew and Mark's gospels, the, the word salvation is never used. That doesn't mean they wouldn't have agreed with it, but it's just something that for Luke, you know, the gospel writer was a doctor. He was someone who his business was healing. And so this, this terminology of saving and healing just comes really naturally to him. And he's just including it all the time. And salvation is the theme of Zechariah's song and of Luke's gospel generally. And we're just going to look at three ways in which we see salvation um, here in the song today. The first is this. Um, it's rescue from enemies. Let me uh, read from, from the start of the, the song. You might want to follow, follow it along um, in your Bible, your, your notebook. Zechariah sings, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Kind of horn means like a, a strong, a mighty king. Horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him. All our days. So there's this, this first big theme of salvation is being rescued from our enemies. Um, here up on the screen, this is uh, a painting uh, by Caravaggio, master uh, painter, particularly of light and dark. And uh, this is his painting, um, The Circumcision of John the Baptist. And we have there Zechariah, who is, as it were, looking up the light of God, and he sings this song. Um, that's rescue from enemies. The enemies are those, that are the ones who hate us, the ones who cause us to fear. And throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament of the Bible, um, deliverance from geopolitical enemies is a big recurring theme. It's a big part of the story, um, isn't it? You have... That's just a few examples. You've got the exodus from Egypt, a time in history when God's people are enslaved um, in Egypt and God uh, releases them, sets them free, makes it possible for them to, to leave um, and to go um, to, to a land where God is giving them. And there's the, the 40 years then in the wilderness, isn't there? And, uh, different challenges, all kinds of challenges, including enemies, coming and attacking or blocking or seeking to disrupt uh, the journey of the people of God. Fast forward some time and God's people find themselves in exile. Don't they? After the, the two kingdoms of Israel and Judah uh, are invaded and the people are taken off to Babylon. Um, you know, and, and it, at each point, the, 
God's people have to rely on the Lord uh, for protection, for safety, for uh, salvation and rescue. And even in the first century Judea, where Zechariah and Elizabeth were living, um, you know, uh, Judea was occupied by the Roman Empire. Uh, they, they had a king, you know, Herod the Great and Herod Antipas, but these were just puppet, puppet rulers installed by the Romans. Um, and so God's people, even at this time when Jesus is, is, uh, is about to be born, um, are longing for deliverance from these enemies. And Jesus comes to rescue us from our enemies, but actually in a much more significant way um, than in a geopolitical uh, sense. Often what's done in a physical way in the Old Testament we see fulfilled in a spiritual way in the New Testament. And it's the same here with a rescue from our enemies. You know, the enemies, the Son of God, comes to deliver us from our, our, our primarily our spiritual enemies. Uh, the world is not just made up of what we can see and touch. But there is another spiritual realm. Um, and the devil and the, the fallen angels are against God's people, against the Lord. And Jesus comes to deliver us from them. Uh, Colossians 1.13, St. Paul talks about it like this. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Rescued us. Uh, he's a savior. He's a king. Brings us into his kingdom. You know, in the first century, lots of people expected the Messiah to be this, yeah, to be this strong political king who's going to lead an army, overthrow the Romans, reinstate uh, the temple worship. Uh, but actually, we see in the Gospels, don't we, that Jesus does not, uh, he does not fill that role. His rescue from enemies is a spiritual, spiritual enemy and spiritual oppression that he comes to release us from. And actually, it goes perhaps even further than that. Here's the amazing thing is that Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. You know, in, in rescuing us, in saving us, Jesus frees us to perceive those who we see as our enemies or who treat us as their enemies actually in a whole different light. Here's um, Jesus speaking on this from Luke, Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's what God is doing. <laughs> that is what Zechariah is seeing a glimpse of um, here. And I wonder that just perhaps a, a challenge or an encouragement for us today. Who are those people in our lives who we would love to treat as our enemies, but actually Jesus in this season is calling us to love and to bless and to pray for. So that's the first, uh, the first kind of theme of salvation we see, rescue from enemies. Second is this, forgiveness from sins. Picking up at verse 76, uh, Zechariah says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. 
That's the second thing we've got. Forgiveness from sins. And Zechariah is he's prophesying about his son's ministry. Uh, this baby boy who's been born. Um, he, John the Baptist is the one who's going to go ahead and tell everyone that Jesus is coming. Heralding uh, Jesus' arrival. And having a real ministry preaching for repentance uh, from sin. I love, the, I love this idea of knowledge of salvation uh, that we see here. Uh, salvation isn't just something that we experience. You know, that kind of rescue from enemy is kind of like something you experience. God comes and gets you <laughs> and rescues you. But um, this is something that we don't just feel. We can also know it. You know, and, and God does this through forgiving our sins. You know, the, the grace of God is something that our hearts will never finish exploring the heights of, and our minds will never finish plumbing the depths of. How amazing is that? And you know, Christianity is unique amongst the religions of the world in offering certainty of hope for eternity uh, so many of the world religions, instead, there's, there's a profound uncertainty um, about what is going to happen, whether your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds uh, when you die, or uh, what life will look like when you're reincarnated, uh, or what, what karma has in store for you. But no, God gives us a knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins, and that is so freeing for us. So Jesus comes to forgive our sins. The team, as we were praying just before the service, we uh, another picture we had was a picture of a heart, and I really feel this connects in here. Uh, there was, the sense was God looks when he, God looks at you. He doesn't just see what's outside, what other people see, but he sees into your heart. He knows what's going on. Um, he knows what you need. And that's, that's where God wants to meet with us. That's where God wants to meet with you and me today. Uh, to meet with our hearts, to give us that healing and forgiveness. And, you know, we've been praying for all that's going on in the world, in our own society. It's so clear to us, isn't it, to all of us, that the world needs a saviour, that that there is a real brokenness in the, the human heart. And we see that going on in wars, in injustice. We see it in our own lives. We see it um, played out on the international stage. And God offers the whole world this knowledge of salvation. Jesus was, was born, yes, went to the cross to carry uh, our sin, to carry our brokenness, uh, and to make a way for us to be right with God. How we need that, uh, each one of us, and how our world needs that too. Okay, third, uh, third image theme of salvation we see is uh, light from darkness. Last few verses of Zechariah's song. It says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Salvation is light 
coming in the place of darkness. Light coming in to darkness. And this is a real Advent theme, isn't it? As we await, as we kind of re-enter um, the waiting, the longing for Jesus to come. There's, uh, I don't know how many of you have been watching uh, the BBC documentary Planet Earth 3. Have been watching that over the last few weeks? It's worth catching up on um, if you haven't. Uh, there was one of the episodes a few weeks ago was looking at um, extreme environments and how life uh, is able to survive. And uh, one of the environments it was looking at was darkness. Um, so this camera crew had gone into the world's, what, we, what is believed to be the large, world's largest cave. Oh yeah, here's a picture. Um, Han Song Dong Cave in Vietnam. Um, it's the largest cave in the world and for a, it, it, so it's vast, I think this is about 200 meters um, deep, this cavern, um, in total darkness. But for, for a few weeks each year, there's a, there's a little crack um, at the top, and the, when the earth aligns in such a way, then the sun, sunbeams come through. For a few minutes each day, the sun breaks into uh, this place of darkness and fills it with light. And you can see there in this picture that when that happens, life just begins to spring up. So the rocks there are green. Um, life begins to come when the light breaks in. And what a picture. That just so struck me. What a picture of the way that God's light breaks in to a dark world and into um, our hearts. And... Um, at the end of this episode, there's a little, they kind of go over the sort of making of of the episode and the, uh, this, this uh, BBC film crew were down in the darkness for 18 days just with artificial light and they were kind of using drones to try and light up uh, to do filming. And they describe this real kind of euphoric experience of seeing this light break in and, and how much better it was at lighting any, uh, than any of their lighting equipment. Um, had. Isaiah prophesied this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus comes to bring light to our darkness. And I don't know about you, perhaps you feel a bit like that film crew down in the, the cave, uh, without sunlight, been down there for a time, um, in the darkness, um, you know, longing for an inbreaking. Perhaps you are in the, the shadow of death, personal loss in your life, your family's life. And in a sense, all of us kind of enter into this in, in Advent. It's a time to to kind of re-enter that place, if we're not in it now, to, to remember uh, what life was like perhaps before we came to know Jesus um, and, and to stand with those saints of old, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, as they look forward to the coming of Jesus. Uh, but Jesus is the light of the world and he has broken in and where he breaks in, there is life. So, just to draw this together, uh, 
God's salvation has come as a rescue from enemies, spiritual enemies. Uh, it is forgiveness of sin, and it's light coming into darkness. And Zechariah's song finishes with a, a kind of a purpose statement. Why all this is happening? It's to guide us into the path of peace. Uh, God, God would love for all of us to be on the path of peace with him in this season. And so that's perhaps my parting encouragement or exhortation to you is let the Lord guide you to the path of peace. Perhaps you feel like you've kind of strayed off it a bit. Or maybe you feel you've never been on the path of peace with God. It, the invitation is open to all of us. God is not far from any one of us. And this Advent and Christmas, may we walk with God on that path of peace. There's, this might look like peace with God. It might mean recommitting or committing our lives to following Jesus and inviting him into our lives. It might mean peace with others. If we do have enemies in our family or friends or workplace or our neighbors and uh, just looking to God and, and seeking His way uh, for those relationships or for these situations. Um, it may, too, mean peace with our natural world and with society, to, to live lives of justice and uh, sustainability in this world that God has put us in. I'm going to have a time of prayer now. Uh, can I invite you to stand and we'll pray and as the band can come up and, and we'll sing after this time of prayer. Um, I'm just going to have a, a few minutes now to respond to the Lord and to his invitation for us to be on the way of peace. So I pray, uh, Lord, would you come by your Holy Spirit now and lead us? Father, would you speak to us? Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful salvation, your healing, your rescue. Thank you in this season as we spend time looking forward to Christmas, remembering Jesus that you came, uh, you became human uh, to be with us. Lord, would you guide us and, and meet with us? Lord, if it's peace with you that we really need, Lord, pray you would come and effect that. If it's peace with others, Lord, would you guide us? Even now, be showing us what the path of peace looks like for those particular relationships or situations. And Lord, if it's peace with the world, with the natural world and with the human world, a call to justice. Would you impress that upon us now? And Lord, help us to follow you and to anticipate you and to enjoy uh, life with you in this Advent and Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.